My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. And to each and every one of you, a blessed Christmas. Uh, my prayer is that, uh, that you might experience the joy of Emmanuel, of, of God with us, of knowing that God has come to be with us, to save us, to rescue us. And so, blessed Christmas to each and every one of you. <coughs> I don't know how... <coughs> excuse me. I don't know how somebody would, uh, <coughs> would actually know this, but I read this past couple of weeks, sometime in the past couple of weeks, I read that there is one question that is more asked in December than at any other time of the year. I mean, it's the most often, it's the most asked question in December, is what I should say, that, that this question more than any other question is asked in December. And, and, and the question is this, it's a pretty obvious one, what do you want for Christmas? Right? Probably almost all of us have either asked that question or been asked that question. We ask our kids, our grandkids, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Other people ask us, what do you want for Christmas? It's best to ask kids this question because they usually have quick answers. This year it might be Gabby's Dollhouse, and maybe more specifically, Gabby Cat Friendship Cruise Ship. (laughs) And I know what that is. That scares me. Or the Gabby Cat Perific Pool Playset with Gabby and not Mermaid, but Mercat. All right? And so a blessings to all you kids. I hope you get Gabby um, for, uh, for Christmas. But yeah, Gabby's Dollhouse um, <clears throat> Dorables are fairly hot this year, I guess, um, from Disney. Kinetic Sand is always a good gift. If you think the person is loaded, you might say, hey, I'd like a PlayStation 5, right? What the world? Let's, let's go for it. My grandkids are getting to that age where they're getting old. The older ones are starting to say, well, can I just have cash? <laughs> Can we just get cash? That's what we want to have. I mean, then just let's eliminate the uh, middleman. We don't have to return your gift, Grandpa. We'll just take the cash and get what we want, okay? I I actually slowed down this week, and and I want you to do it right now, but I really thought about the question. What do I want for Christmas? Uh, The the answer I kept coming to initially was, I don't know. I don't know, and, and that's true. At one level, I don't know. I can't think of anything that I want. I, I, I don't want anything. But as I chewed on the question, as I thought about it longer, I thought, that's not an honest answer. Because I do want. And you can't say this to people, but, but what I really want, none of you can give me. What I really want, you can't give me. It's not that you might not love me. It's not that you might not have resources, but, but you can't give me what I really want. At a certain point in our lives, nobody can give us what we really want because what we want is something that no human can give. As I thought about it, you know, I thought, oh, there are some things I really, really want. I really, really want peace. And it can sound trite, right? World peace. But I, I really want a world in which Palestinians... And Israelis are not killing each other. I want a world where there's no war in Ukraine. Where where there's no wars in inner cities between gangs or whatever it is. I want peace. I really do. I, I really want peace. And I want peace in my heart. I want a peace that passes understanding. I want a peace that isn't bothered by worries or anxiety. I want, to just, I want to just sit quietly at night and know that everything is just the way it's supposed to be. That's what I want. That's what I want if you can give it to me. I want joy. 
I want pure, unadulterated joy. You know, we have moments of joy when, when the music is just right or when we're watching something and it's just this perfect moment or when our team comes back and scores the winning touchdown on the final play and we have those moments of joy. We have those instances of joy, but I want the stuff that lasts. I want joy that's not mixed with knowing others are sad knowing that others are lost and broken and, and, and just all the hurts that are out there. I want to have joy, unspeakable joy. I want to be a better person. <laughs> Deep down, I think most of us want this. I think about the kind of person I want to be, the kind of father I want to be, the kind of pastor I want to be, the kind of friend I want to be. And I want to be kind and gentle and compassionate. I want to be wise and I want to have time for everybody whenever they need it. I want to be that way. But when I look at reality, it is so often not that way. So often I can be short and ornery or so busy I don't even see the needs of the people around me. And I want to be a better person. I really really want to be a better person. I, I get tired of being disappointed. And I don't hate myself, don't get me wrong. But I get tired of being disappointed with myself, of knowing I never get it quite right. And I want restored relationships. I want restored. We all have some relationships that are broken, sometimes just by space. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's a word we've said but I thought about it this week, and I thought, doggone it, I got some relationships that I really wish were better than they are. I really miss some of these people, but we had something happen, and oh, Lord, please. If any of you can provide these for me, I will write you a really great thank you letter. But what I really want, you can't give me. What I really want at the core of my being, you can't give me. And I think it's true for all of us. What we really want, no one can give us. And the answer isn't, I don't want anything. It's just what I really want. You can't give me, and no one can. But we're here today for one reason, because God can. <laughs> no one can give us what we really, really want except for God. No one can do for us what we really, really want except for God. And he has done that for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That is why we celebrate. That is why Christmas is a big deal. Because on this day, we remember that God gave God gave the gift of new life. God gave the gift that we need more than anything else. The Apostle John, in John 3.16, talks about this. And, and Alana read it so beautifully already, but I want to go slowly through it and just think about it line by line. For God, for God the creator, so loved the world. I, I want you to recognize... God sent Jesus because he loves you and you and you and me. He did it out of love, not some sense of obligation, not some embarrassment because we were just so embarrassing to him, not some sense that he wanted to get more glory in his life and he wanted to show just how amazing he was. He did not send Jesus for those reasons. The reason he sent Jesus is one reason, love, that he so loved you, he so loved me. God so loved the, we might add, broken world. He doesn't just love us when we're good. He loves us when we're broken and when we're bad and when we fail. He hates our sin, don't get me wrong. But, but any of us, if you've been parents or if you've had taking care of kids and so on, 
Again, my mom's answer to the question of who's your favorite, her answer was, whoever needs me the most. I think that's a reflection of God's heart. He loves us in our brokenness. And when we're fools and failures, God so loved the broken world that he gave. That he gave. That's what love does. Love gives in genuine gifts. I want you to think about this today because some of you are going to give, I will be giving some non-genuine gifts. But all genuine gifts are given out of just pure love. Think of how many gifts are not given out of love. We're given because there's a responsibility. There's an obligation. Uh, You give me a $20 gift, I give you a $20 gift, right? We don't give gifts. We exchange gifts, and we feel guilty if we can't exchange evenly. But love says, I don't care what you give me. Love says, I don't care what you do for me. Love says, "I I don't care. I just love you, and I want to give you this gift. You will give some genuine gifts today, too, all right? But that's the real stuff. That's how God gives. He gives out of love. It's a genuine gift. It, it's, not, it, it's not something to make us feel guilty or bad or whatever. It is simply a gift of his one and only son, that which is most precious to him, Jesus. That's what we celebrate. This birth of this baby is God's gift, right? This manger contains the, the, the gift that can satisfy, that can fill up our empty hearts. That whoever believes in him, whoever, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight, rich and poor, and those who are from America and Africa and every nation, whoever, whoever believes in him, we're called to believe in him, to put our trust in him. We're not called to do great things for him. We're simply called to say, I give up and I put my heart and my life and my hope in your hands. I, I rely on you. I give myself to you because I can't, I can't belong to myself anymore. And when we do that, we shall not perish, but we shall have eternal life. And that eternal life doesn't just talk about saying, oh, it's a life that goes on and on and on forever. It does. But, but eternal is really, it's a bigger word than that. In, in the Greek, it's a bigger word than that. It's a, it's a gift. It's a word that means it gives us new life, all right? He gives us the full life, the abundant life. It's deep life. He gives all of this, and we start to taste it today. It is lasting. It is so much. And when we take these things together, this is what I want for Christmas. This is the life we've always wanted. And Jesus Christ comes to give it to us. It comes through Jesus Christ. And what I want to do is take a couple of minutes this morning to think about how that works. How does this little baby born 2,000 years ago, how does this little baby, it was completely dependent on his mother, a young mother and father and earthly father. And how, how does this one bring us new life? How, how does Jesus bring us eternal life? How, how does that happen? And what I want to do this morning is just think about four gifts that Jesus brings us. And, and in each case, I want you to, to try to just reflect on the gift that it is, because these are the ones that we really want. These are the ones that are the most important gifts that we can have. First one is this, he, he gives us his pardon. He, he takes away our sins. 
He takes care of our past, all that is lost, all that is broken, all that we've done wrong. He washes that away in his blood. 30 years after he was born, Jesus started to do ministry. He started to go out and teach and, and preach and do miracles. And, 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 and John tells us that when that happens, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist saw Jesus. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, you see, was, well, we sing it in the carol, ring the bells. Jesus was born to die that we may live. He came to earth new life to give. That's why we've, we've slid the cross off to the side, but the cross is still on the platform during Christmas. <laughs> because the shadow of the cross, I, I was trying to figure out a way to how to get a light to have the shadow of the cross come across the manger, but it always does. Jesus was born to die. He was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to wash away all of our sins and for us to experience what it is to be forgiven. Think about that with me. When it comes to thinking about sin, I think there are two things that are true for all of us. The first one, and I think it's true for all of us, is we just hate to admit we've sinned. And there is something, it goes way back to the very first sin, but there is something inside of us that hates more than anything else to acknowledge that we are sinners, that acknowledge that we blew it, that we failed. When somebody accuses us of something, we immediately get defensive. We hate feeling guilty, okay? And, and I just, no, I didn't do it. And, and so we have strategies. We deny. I didn't do that. Wasn't me. I never said that. I never thought that. I... I <laughs> And when that doesn't work, then we explain or we justify. Well, if you'd understand the situation, if you would have understood what was going on here, if you could see it from my point of view, it really wasn't wrong what I did. What I did was okay, and we justify and we explain things and we do this because I don't want to have to admit that I'm wrong. I don't want to have to admit that I'm sinning. We blame. We, we blame people around us. I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't started it. It was his fault. He made me do this. She made me do this. If if you were better, I wouldn't get so angry with you, okay? And and we blame others. This goes, I mean, we are even able, the very first sin we see somebody blaming God. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and they eat the forbidden fruit, and God confronts them. And do you remember what Adam says? Some of you will. Adam says, and he doesn't say it exactly like this, but, but what he's basically saying is this, God, technically, this is your fault. <laughs> I hate to point it out to you, buddy, but look in the mirror. It's your fault. I did, it was the woman you gave me. God, I did fine before you created her. <laughs> it's, it's her fault, but more even, it's your fault. And we blame others. Because I don't want to admit that, that my heart is twisted and wrong and selfish and curl in on myself so we blame and then we compare well but I'm not as bad as that person I haven't done what that person did she's worse he's worse I'm pretty good compared to that we hate feeling guilty and do you know how much time and energy we waste on this and none of it works none of it works because deep down we know Deep down, you know you've sinned. Deep down, I know I've sinned. At 2 o'clock in the morning, when we wake up and we can't fall back asleep, and our conscience is saying, you said that, and you know it. You meant to hurt that person. 
you made that choice. And as much as you, as much as we try to cover it up deep down, I think each of us knows. We try to present like, no, we're comfortable. Each of us knows. But I want to suggest that what the gospel teaches us, what the Bible teaches us, is that only when we get to this place, beyond all the blaming and comparing and the explaining and the justifying and the denials, only when we get beyond that to just being broken do we start to feel healing because we are guilty. And the good news of Christmas is this, that Jesus came to take away our sins. He was born to die so we could live. He was born to die so that he could go on that cross and wash away and pay for all of my sins. And friends, you can experience real forgiveness. You don't have to just pretend that you're better than you are. You don't have to pretend that you've got it together. You don't have to pretend that you're always right. Lord, let me tell you, I am learning more and more. One of the biggest things I've learned in my faith life is that I am a sinner. And I, I can either admit it, and, and, and I actually sometimes get it right, that when somebody says, you did this wrong, I say, yeah, thanks, I know. Instead of, well, no, but you did this, or no, you did. To genuinely believe the gospel that I'm a sinner, but it's okay because Jesus washes away my sin. I don't have to pretend. I, I could be honest. As, as Christians, we can be honest about who we are. Because when we're guilty, it's not the end of us. It's the beginning of new life. He gives us his pardon. Second thing he gives us, he gives us his presence. He gives us his presence. John says this, the word, Jesus, became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. Christmas is about Jesus, God himself, Emmanuel, coming to be with us. The word for made his dwelling among us is tabernacled. He pitched his tent among us. He, he, he lived with us. He went camping with us. That's close. All right, you're close with people when you can't. Jesus went camping with us. He went and he, and he pitches his tent next door and, and on our property and with us, and he is there with us. And on the night before he was uh, crucified, he had that last supper with his disciples. And one of the things he said to them was this. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you, and he will be with you forever. Jesus gives us his presence. He came to be with us. He came to be Emmanuel. And, and I want you to just breathe deep and think he's with us on our best days. He is with us on our best days. And more importantly, he's with us on our worst days. Some of you have had some really lousy days in 2023. Some of you have had your worst days ever in 2023. But I promise you this, if you are in Christ, God is with you. If you've accepted this gift, God was with you each and every step of the way. I can't remember the name of the person who wrote it. It wasn't somebody from Hillside, but in a Christmas letter, somebody who had cancer, terminal cancer, they, they pretty likely they would not make it another year, and they didn't. But this person said, you know, as I look at my life, as I think about my cancer, I am not thankful for what I have but I am thankful for who has me. I am thankful for who has me. Because he is Emmanuel, Jesus is God with us. And, and you're not alone, okay? You may not feel it, even when you don't feel it, he's working, he's there, he's with you. His presence is there, he gives us his presence. His pardon, his presence, you'll see a pattern here. The third thing he gives us is his power. 
He gives us his power. I don't have the power to change. I don't have the power to endure. But again, Jesus on that last supper night, that night when he's with his disciples, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If, if you use my power, you will bear fruit. You will show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's so true. Apart from Christ, we cannot do anything but in Christ. We can begin to bear fruit. He gives us power. It's power to endure. Some days that's all it is. Power just to endure, to make it through every day, and to put one step in front of the other. He gives us his power to change. He, he does. I, I wish it was more. I wish it was faster. But as Christ came to help me become who God created me to be, he came to help me to, to bear that fruit of the Spirit. He, he came to give me his power to love and even sometimes to love those who are difficult to love. He gives us power. And we need that power. So he said, I'm so disappointed sometimes that I'm just not the kind of person I should be. But by God's grace, a year from today, I'll be a little more like God wants me to be than I am right now. And by God's grace, a year after that, even more. And so more and more I lean and learn to, to, to the power of Jesus. That came. He came in weakness, but with deep power. He came in a manger, but with amazing power. He gives us his pardon, his power, presence, his power, and, and finally his promise. Jesus says, uh, I'm coming back. In John 14, again, that last supper, interesting. I mean, there's so much that John does to tie the birth in with, with the death of Jesus. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. My father's house has many rooms. I thought this week, interesting. We sometimes talk, and maybe it's because we're Americans, many of us, and, and too infected by the culture around us. But we sing, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. Actually, I've got a room in a mansion over the hilltop. <laughs> you see, I think we can't understand that we'll actually want to live in community with others when we get to heaven. Everybody will be great and worth living with. And so we, we won't need our own mansion that we can keep people out of. We'll be able to just have a room. And we'll share it with others. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. But you also may be where I am. One day. Gives us his promise that one day it's going to be just right. One day it's going to be perfect. Harold Mast, Eric mentioned it. Harold passed away this past Wednesday. And he's had cancer. He had cancer. And at some place along, fairly early in his dealing with cancer, I think it might have been the first time it actually recurred, one of the kids asked Harold, how you doing? How you doing? And he said these words, and he wrote them out because they just all loved him. But he said, I'm at peace with God's future for my life. I'm at peace with God's future for my life. Whatever happens, I know it's going to be okay. And, and, and every time I saw him, we heard those words. I'm at peace with God's future for my life. When you have that kind of peace, when you know that kind of promise, when you live with that, you can start to experience a fuller life. That's, that's new life, all right? He gives us his pardon, his presence, his power, his promise. That is the life we've always wanted. That's what I need more than anything else. Just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to sing.
I'm going to sing two songs. The first one's not a carol. It's a song we've been learning here. We could have eternal life so that we could have the life we've always wanted. It's not a question of God anymore. It's a question of us. Will we believe? Will we surrender? Will we give up and put our trust in him? Will we stop trying to put together a life, friends, the gift of Christmas? And and once you get this gift, then all the other ones don't matter, okay? They're great. It's fun. We're going to have a great time. I hope you have great times today and tomorrow sharing gifts. I hope you've already enjoyed it. That's great. But none of those gifts matter if we don't get this gift. If we don't take the gift and receive the gift of putting our faith in life in a birth of a baby born 2,000 years ago to a couple of people who didn't have a dime between them. That baby is the hope of the world. He is our peace. He is our pardon. He is God's promise. He is power and he is presence. Will you receive your king? Let's pray together. Father, this day is so big, it's so hard to capture. I just pray right now we can stop. And, and Father, we want to enjoy all the other lights and celebrations, but right now we need the gift, the real one, the reason behind everything else. So in this quiet right now, Lord, I just pray that each one of us can, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, again, say, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come here to stay. Come in to stay. I pray. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I pray we can receive our King. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.